My name is Ryan Lay, and I am an addict. You could say I got hooked the first time that I tried it. It all started so innocently. At first, I would do it on my iPod only, and I didn't even do it right, downloading MP3s off the Radiolab website. Before I knew it, all I could think about was my addiction. It scared me, but by then it was too late, so I just went with it. Ten years later, and it doesn't even seem like I've slowed a bit. I've got a real problem with talking too much. I just can't stop. As long as I'm alive and voice working, I don't think I'll ever stop. I have a big support group to help me through my addiction. Ed Schmitz has been with me for the last 20 years, thank God. I also have to thank Kristen and Ted Barrow and also Kyle and Alex for all their support. Me, I, I'm dealing with my addiction. Are you? Hello, what's up skaters? Welcome back to another episode of Vent City. Uh, back on the pod, we've got Kristen Ebling, Ted Barrow, Kyle Beachy, and Ted Schmitz. I missed y'all. I missed you too. I missed you, Ryan. I missed you a lot, Ryan. <laughs> Hi, oh, Ryan. and me, yeah. Yeah, back from, uh, I don't I haven't been on a regular episode in a long time. You were at camp. Camps. Uh, yeah, spent lots of time at camp. Uh, oh my god, the, the the my takeaway. I spent like three weeks at summer camp, but the best uh, <laughs> my takeaway from the summer was watching an eight year old with a GoPro strapped like cross style across his chest, running up a a quarter pipe that was basically meant for parkour. <laughs> Runs up the quarter pipe, reaches for the coping, doesn't quite grab the coping tumbles all the way to the bottom and then in a sigh of relief goes gopro stop recording <laughs> <laughs> story of my I was life like, oh. yeah that was uh, amazing you gotta name your gopro <laughs> yeah it was it was great uh what have y'all been up to a lot of traveling for me yeah dallas tell how was dallas really you hot? got next games you got zoomies <laughs> nycsp Any- any trip you go to Dallas Portland. and you don't get uh, murdered by a Russian uh, uh, communist uh, sympathizer is pretty good to me. Dude, yeah. Uh, mm. The dude that got <laughs> third, actually, this kid, uh, Jaden, out of Toronto, freaking, what, like, so sick. Like, 180 switch crooks, like, so perfect. Like, the dude is just amazing. Kind of like Brent Ashley style, sort of. Like, real poppy mm. and, like, kind of a smaller stature. He got third place at the contest. He killed it, but... Um, he actually got jumped the night before, which was really unfortunate. Yeah, he got like all this stuff stolen. Whoa. Yeah, it was really scary. And then I was telling that to my Lyft driver, like on the way to like one of the events or whatever. I don't remember when, but he was like, oh yeah, like I guess he's kind of lucky. Uh, somebody got murdered three days ago. I was like, oh my God. Uh, don't so, mess yeah. with Texas. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's yeah, pretty good, man. Save 100 that. degrees, 100 dudes. It was, it was what it was. <laughs> Zoomies. Next up, yeah, one dude. Yeah, per Krista, degree. what do you like more, doing a uh, uh, kind of community organizing events or skating in pro level contests? <laughs> <laughs> you have to choose one. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> when they're Tough both question. hanging off of a cliff. How do I decide? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, you already know the answer. But uh, I, I do think it is fun to go to bigger events and have conversations with people. Um, 
and it actually ends up being pretty interesting because a lot of this, a lot of times when you're doing committee organizing and I'm always around my like Seattle bubble, it's been really interesting in the last like, you know, summer months um, that I've been able to kind of go outside of that. Um, and it's like the ideas that I'm bringing up or concepts or things are really new to people and they're like excited and interested. Whereas like in Seattle, I'm kind of in a bubble and it's almost like preaching to the choir all the time. So it's been it's been fun to be outside of my bubble. And you were you were in New York. You were at KCDC shop in Brooklyn like two weeks before I was out there. What was your New York trip about? Uh, I was out there. Uh, Lacey and I um, did an event called, or like Lacey started this project called uh, NYC Skate Project, NYCSP, and um, it's just like an, creating space for non-traditional skaters. Um, and yeah, we did our first event back in January just to like toss it out there. Um, and like Lacey, it's something that Lacey had wanted to do for a long time. Um, and then like they approached me and I was like, duh, I'm down. So I flew out there and we did our first little clinic thing at this indoor spot. And then um, we did like a party art show with like um, Jeff from Unity's artwork and stuff like that. Um, and then we got some funding from Nike to do another event this summer. So that's what we did um, more recently. And yeah. yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, we got a flat bar installed there and a quarter pipe and everyone was really stoked. Um, did a big clinic and then uh, went over to KCDC and had uh, punk rock karaoke. My friend Carrie from Switch and Signal um, shout out Carrie. He rocks. Great, great awesome. karaoke host. Great, great, great human. Outstanding Superstar. karaoke host. Yeah. So, yeah. So he hosted the karaoke at KCDC and shout out Amy for letting us all party in her shop. <laughs> it was really fun. Cool. That's rad. Yeah. Why don't you go, Kyle? Tell us about your recent well, discussion. So I was, I met Amy also, who's just super rad. Um, and I was at KCDC for, um, one of Jalene Lau's heavy discussion events, um, which, I guess in sort of preparing to have this conversation, uh, she had booked Lee Smith, Van Wynn, uh, Steve Rodriguez, and Cava, Garcia Vazquez. Um, and I guess she was like reading my Jason Jesse article and like preparing for the panel. And then she just wrote me up. She's like, hey, dude, do you want to come to this? And I was like, well, yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I was the white guy on the race panel. Um, and it went really well. It was a good conversation. Like, you know, Jalene is just incredibly good at putting those things together. Um, and yeah, it, it was, you know, I think kind of back to what you were saying about like preaching to the choir and that sort of thing. I think it took me a while to realize that like the nature of conversation we were having wasn't going to be this like super hard hitting, super like, let's get down to brass tacks. Let's get into this. What's racism? How does systemic racism affect all of us? We, you know, this is the system we live in, et cetera. Um, but actually it was like a little bit more mellow. And I think for a little bit, it took me, it took me some time to kind of adjust to that. Um, but I think ultimately it was a really good conversation. Um, they do it in the shop. Yeah, it was in the shop. There was like She's a little, got a nice stage. little like stage thing. In yeah. There, kind it's of. built in. I used, to, I used to work in that shop actually. Wait, what? Yeah, I used to. Uh, when I lived in New York, I helped them like move into that space, the, the Williamsburg uh, space. Yeah, the Williamsburg space, and oh, then worked sick. there for like a few months. Which yeah, is wild because it's right in the heart of like brand new Williamsburg, like new Williamsburg. Yeah, it wasn't quite like that yeah. when I worked there, but yeah, now it is. And I think there, there's a Supreme down the street, right? Oh, I have no idea. I don't. I can't sniff that that sort of thing out. Ted Barrow, no, can you confirm? There is a supreme. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Amy is so interesting. Did you guys? Did you guys know that she's on like this uh, TV show with Mike Myers called The Gong Show? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So I did not know that. Yeah, it's so wild. 
Yeah, she was super cool. I mean, the whole thing was cool. Like, uh, I love visiting New York. I love going to skate in New York. I love pushing around New York. Like, all that stuff is true. Like, all the, you just push from spot to spot. Like, it sort of disappoints me that New York is actually so incredibly satisfying to go to and do the things that everyone, like, always gushes over. And, you know, you go and it's like, oh, this actually is the fucking best thing in the world. Um, and That's so you nice know, to hear you say that. Well, shouts to you, Ted Barrow, for letting me sleep in your apartment <laughs> and getting me just outrageously um, involved in your world, which was great. Ted's a celebrity. Ted knows everyone in New York City. I, I took you to places where I knew a couple people, and I made sure that those people were like, hey, we know you. <laughs> it was staged. Yeah, it was totally That's like, staged. you ever been to Max Fish? Yeah. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't go to Max Fish. That was actually cool of us not to do that. That was smart. Uh, yeah. We did get to skate the LES Park, where it, which I had never been to. And, oh, yeah, so that was the other thing that happened on our panel is that, like, Steve Rodriguez broke the news um, or was was part of sort of announcing the news to a lot of people who hadn't heard it that Tompkins is not Tompkins Square Park is not going to be covered in AstroTurf um, and he kind of like told the story of getting the phone call from uh, whoever in the New York City Park District and that was that was that was big news basically what I was going to say in response to Steve R announcing that uh, Tompkins was um, not going to be paved over with AstroTurf was um, this, and this actually 100% I credit Kristen and like her like kind of like advocacy for this is like I was interviewed by a, some like local newspaper about the Tompkins thing and I was just like yeah it's so great that like the Parks Department has even considered us and then the moment I got off that interview I was like wait why the fuck did I not say like it would be really cool if they made it legal to skate there <laughs> like all we're celebrating right, push with, on it <laughs> like all we're, yeah exactly like like maybe put some benches up on some almost shit like all we're celebrating is the fact that like they didn't like the city of new york <laughs> didn't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to put fucking astroturf on a slab of asphalt and they like totally. it, they get patted on the back for like being like yeah we listened to the community and like it's still gonna be a bust it's still gonna be like a spot that you can skate like two hours every day and not the entire day and yeah but now it's got upgraded trash cans with Tyshawn's name on them <laughs> yeah some shit right <laughs> like and I was sort of thinking like if I had like Kristen's political acumen like at this moment I probably should have said it would be really cool if we made it a legal skate spot and like made it better but I didn't instead I just patted the city on the back there's always next time um, no that, that was it for me <laughs> <laughs> that was my one chance come on try again I blew it no, I um, can I tell you a funny story yes so yes. I went to Tompkins when I was in New York for that NYCSP event and I was like you know I'd seen the footage of people skating there I'm like I love a good flat ground um, so well, I like depends on what you mean by good yeah I think it's good I think it's got a good give to it like I, uh, I like the texture of the ground it's probably like yeah, one of my favorite flat. surfaces I'd say that I've skated as a flat ground skater um but this news reporter guy came there and tried to interview me and i was like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> i was just like uh -uh. on one and i was just like dude sometimes i'm like my opinion i leave it for vent city talking to my friends like yeah. i don't have time to talk to a fucking reporter you should have just pretended that you were a local yeah see that was the other thing too but then it was cool too because of course the guy comes up to me first and like wants to talk to me um but then i didn't do it and so he let um i think it was my friend ronnie um talk to the press about it which was funny because 
all three of us from were not from New York. <laughs> right, yeah, right. But we're like, it was kind of funny because I'm like, I wonder how they spun that. Like, were they like three random girls not from New York come to Tompkins? <laughs> like, as I was like, this historical landmark, which I guess it kind of is. We intentionally went there, so it's a sacred know. spot. All right, so what's uh, what's been good in the the skate media world? What gets you gets you excited? Did you guys watch this Jeremy Jones part that he did with Phil Evans? Yes. It's like one yeah, minute. A, that's the one I watched. It's one minute long. And, you know, Phil Evans is just a super dope filmmaker. And he does, um, I don't know, he, he's done videos that are always a little avant or a little strange, a little like he had a series that were, I think it was called the Panoramic Series. It was all just super wide shots um, that were really interested in like landscape itself in city landscapes um but this one was just uh jeremy jones who we met in sweden and i had never yep. met before um and who'd who'd we say earlier had like a brent ashley style he did yeah yeah yeah. he fully oh, yeah. had a brent ashley style and it was super cool and it you know it's a rad thing to meet someone and not skate with them and then find out soon afterward that they're incredibly good at skateboarding so you got uh, like a nice uh, tall guy style too but like, no, no, i think someone yeah. made a corrective because i was like yeah brent ashley and someone was like brent ashley plus boosnets yeah. 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 yeah 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 because his push he's got that stuttery little <laughs> like the frantic can i make a really a very I, like decisive frontside flip pivot yes. <laughs> but can i make a, a an incredibly random reference also a little bit of sean Payne in there God damn! Oh God! Oh, That's wow. Uh, yeah, I did Payne's notice the way that like he nolly front nolly flip front side tail slid that hubba that it, there was some Sean Payne in that shit. <laughs> no, but Sean Payne and like Ron Whaley had like the graceful uh, tall. Well, Ron still does it has the yeah the graceful tall guy style, mm. which I don't recall Jeremy being that tall, but he looks quite tall on his skateboard. Huh. I also got to see Nick Stain's uh, skateboard live at Columbus Circle in uh, Manhattan and. I was shocked at how one big he is and two fast he goes and three uh, wins me over immediately upon real life um, interaction. So I'm yeah. now I'm now firmly a Nick Stain fan. Told you, Ted, handsome human. I always have skates been. Fat. <laughs> I always <laughs> from day one. <laughs> name 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 one uh, mean and uh, flattening statement I've ever made about Nick Stain and his uh, authentic output. Uh, no, not on the record ever. <laughs> All right, so that's what I'm stoked on. I'm done. I am I am <laughs> stoked on over 100 people supporting this show uh, from the bottom yeah. of our heart. Yeah, it's sick. Uh, that's, thank you. It's that like is pretty cool. And the bottom of Ted's bank account. They, well, I did I did just send out stickers to everybody, which uh, which hopefully How if fun you is haven't that? gotten Isn't one. Isn't that nice? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, game. we should delegate that to ted i love doing oh. it i love it so much <laughs> yeah i was gonna say I, I i'm curious about your workflow uh ted barrow i need to talk to you okay i didn't the, even see the where the show. stickers are kept in your apartment or those are those in a like a, a drawer yeah you know that coffee Chest. that coffee table like right next to where you were sleeping your head yeah um there there's a drawer and you just open it up and there's envelopes like stamps there's some venture trucks. Uh, there's everything. <laughs> <laughs> Put a venture truck in an envelope and ship it to someone. I mean, some, they're yeah. super light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They ship well. Uh, things I'm stoked on right now. Uh, I, I, I started writing a list and I accidentally sent it to the group chat. But uh, Ben Cron selfie clips getting me really inspired. Uh, Unity starting a new board company and four on one issues 30 through 50. I've been rewatching uh, all of those because I, I, I kind of started my subscription. Our, my grandma used to get me and my brother a subscription 
every year and i think we started at 33 and so those are like the golden years for me so i've been uh going someone cataloged all of them online and uh even in like good quality because they used to be uploaded at like 240p which is pretty pretty tough to watch uh wasn't that Transworld? Yeah. Like, did wasn't that part of the Transworld? Like, I, I I thought that I understood they were they were actually going to bring the whole thing back and like do a digital archive and represent them and kind of like capitalize on the four one one brand before well, they, they got made sold. Gear and stuff, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think that kind of got messy, but yeah, um, huh? Yeah, I just been watching them on YouTube, but those are those are uh, that's my list for now. Um, I saw, I met Jeff on Friday night, uh, and he showed me a board for his new board company. Um, and it was called, uh, their skateboards, their skateboards. Uh, and it's a super beautiful graphic and it was super rad. And I totally, uh, I didn't go quite as overboard as I did on Jacob Elliott Harris, but I definitely did fan out a little hard. And I hope Jeff, (laughs) if you're listening that I didn't, didn't freak you out too much. Jeff is the best. <laughs> Jeff is so fun to skate with. Do you get to skate with him? No, because he had like an art show on Saturday. So it seems like he was pretty, um, you know, pretty, pretty uh, invested in setting that up and everything. I asked him to, to record an interview, actually. And he, he said he, he's a little uh, shy about talking. And so hopefully maybe we can get someone else to talk about what they've got going on. Yeah, he mentioned that. And it seemed like he was kind of preempting what he saw coming from me, which was like an eventual invite or something. He's like, he's oh, like, and by the way, I already turned you, you fuckers down. Yeah, yeah. he's like, got a show, got a show, got to go. <laughs> got to get, got to bail. Can't skate. Yeah. What about you, Kristen? Um, I have two things. Uh, first thing is, um, I don't know if y'all keep up with, uh, Vans Park series, um, but it just got swept by three young folks, um, from Japan. And one of them is named Mommy, and she has the sickest front Smith grind. Um, go check that out. <laughs> um, I was blown away. I watched it like a hundred times. You ever, I don't know, got a clip yeah. and you're just like, how the fuck? Um, it's just the coolest thing. I've never seen it like that before. Um, and then also my friend's magazine, PMA, it's got a, uh, issue number two just came out and it's got a really cool interview with Force Kirby, um, which is interesting and a bunch of other stories from around the world. He's like old skatehead from Seattle and helped, uh, get a citywide skate park plan in Seattle. Um, if you're not familiar with that concept, it's, um, started in Portland and then we did it or they did it in Seattle, the kind of generation of skate park advocates before myself kind of joined in. But, um, the idea being that, um, you get the city to agree to a plan where like every place where they're going to build a park, like in the future or like whatever, we found like designated spots where they're going to build skate parks. So let's say they get like a levy and they get money to build a park in the at X area. Right. Uh, they already know that they have to build a skate park there or a skate spot. Um, so it's a pretty cool idea. That's how like in the last 10 years, skate Seattle is like blown up with tons of skate parks and same with Portland. Um, so yeah, Matt Johnson is my homie. He does PMA mag and it's just a really cool, different type of print publication. It's not just skateboarding, but skateboarding is always a part of it. And, um, just like gets me hyped. Cool. Hmm. Rad. Sick. That is sick. What about you, Ted Schmitz? Um, I also have two things I'm pretty stoked on <coughs> and I, I think everybody else is pretty stoked on these too. Uh, one of them is an account called WrestleBotch, which oh, is just, God. um, it's like it's kind of like blunders in professional wrestling and and they do the indies too but it's like basically when people weigh oversell like a hit or something and 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 there's this sort of infamous one of um uh the heartbreak kids going way too big on the jump so he's like flying off the ropes every kick from hulk hogan and he ends up sacking the ropes 
And I, that's kind of the perfect intersection of my interests. Um, I was going to say, Ted, this section's supposed to be skate focused. Yeah, it seems vaguely, vaguely uh, non-skateboarding. There's, there's <laughs> another one called uh, this dude, Darby Allen, who I actually talked to last month. He's a professional wrestler and a skater. And I think, I don't know if you guys all saw this clip, but he took his death wish board, glued a bunch of tacks to the bottom of it, and oh, uh, jumped off the clip. top turnbuckle acid drop even though the announcer said ollie um acid dropped onto the back of bad boy joey janella and stuck him with a with a board full of uh thumbtacks and uh that was kind of the the highlight of my last two weeks that's it it's a death wish board he ended up selling it Um, also same guy like uh there's this really crazy statue thing in seattle and we do this contest called all city showdown um, and I'm pretty sure it was during All City Showdown like a couple years ago. But if you go to mm-hmm. 35th North's Instagram, you can see the clip of him trying to drop in and literally flying off of it. It's the most insane thing ever. Or yeah. intense this, thing. The uh, the skate clips on his Instagram are so amazing because he'll do like a he'll do like a you know, like a normal trick at a skate park and then like front flip out of it like with each <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, he's a great skater. I don't know. And uh that was I was happy to see um I was happy to see the board in the ring. That's it. Ted Barrow? Right, Ted, Bar- Ted Barrow. Um, uh, stoked on skate media. Honestly, I haven't looked at anything for two weeks. Maybe three. <laughs> no, seriously. I was, yeah, I like Jeremy Jones's thing, but it even took me like a hard time to find it. Like, yeah. And I, and I, and I realized when I watched it online that I'd already seen it on his Instagram. I am so fucking burnout on skate media. I'm I'm stoked on like I had three I skated three times since I've been back from Europe and one of the, one of the times was with you Kyle and I nearly dislocated my shoulder and I was yeah, stoked on, stoked on that sorry about that no it's okay it's your fault but uh, I'm stoked on that session I I'm you know, stoked uh, on the three times I went skating nothing yeah. in you know what no no one mentioned uh, the fucking amazing Tyshawn profile that uh, Willie Staley wrote for the New York Times which I'm sure Ted you read that right no yeah. You didn't read that? Um, you want my, you want my login info? <laughs> yeah, I actually probably do need it, but no, I didn't read it. I, I like, oh, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, I'm, I've checked out. I, I've had other shit to go to do, and also yeah. pushing That's borders. Good. It's good to take breaks. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, very well written piece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, let's get into pushing borders. Uh, I have been sick for the last two weeks, like pretty much since we got back. Uh, I just started feeling a little better like the last three days so i can i feel your pain ted uh i was like so burnt the fuck out afterwards fully right also like needing to process everything and then Mm -hmm. getting back to like 108 degree heat uh really did me in yeah yeah it was Um, a lot it was heavy it was a lot it was it was a lot to simmer and think on afterward like I don't know. I felt like I like I felt it in my shoulders after coming back from pushing water. I was like, Jesus, what have like, I been doing? You know when when you've seen a movie and you're like with friends or on a date or with a parent or something or on a date with your parent that's a friend, and like you're leaving the theater and they're like, "What did you think?" And you're like, "Hold on, I like need at least like an ice cream before we talk about this." Well, movies are like two hours, and that yeah, was yeah. a five day conference. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to take me five months before I'm like, I know what to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get into this, uh, please, if you can, we have 10 interviews that are, I think two of them we're putting out and the other eight are going to be 
available exclusively on Patreon. So if you want a little primer of uh, a cross-section of what happened at Pushing Borders and what people were talking about, um, please subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash fancity and you can listen to those. It's probably like, I don't know, like three hours of content or something. Yeah. Um, but Ted helped me compile that and we did our best uh, being like really tired and burnt out uh ted was recording the audio for the conference on top of uh <laughs> killing himself of, yeah serving on your panel and front flipping into the quarter pipe before going on stage i, I suspect but, that he like front flipped into the quarter pipe every 15 minutes like that just happened to be the one that i saw it's like truman show talks. where you look over and ted's just front flipping over and over <laughs> yeah like we just caught that one okay who's going to go first uh kristen you want to start kristen yeah please yeah i was there speaking on two panels uh one about uh skate friendly cities uh chaired by ocean and gustav and then uh the revolution will not be patronized uh chaired by lucy adams um yeah are we supposed to say more than that? And it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Go, how to, how'd it go? Detail, Kristen. Yeah, how'd it go? <laughs> what was Dude, it like? Um, it was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, fuck. I, mean, I don't Kristen, know, you, you, This Kristen, is like really you, you, hard for me to talk about. So, Kristen, but. you and I didn't get a chance to go last year, so we went in with kind of a different set of expectations. But actually, like Kyle and Ted Barrow, who did go, like the the conference was like a way different beast than it was last year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was blown up. So I mean, like even having expectations didn't really help all that much. Yeah, I don't I don't think it I mean, you know, I I had a little sense of the nature of conversation we would have while on stage, but I mean the thing that was radically different was everything that was going on beyond the actual panels. Um, you know, it was it was a much longer thing. Um, they spaced the you know last year was only two days, and they basically just filled the day with. I think each day had like four panels, so it was um, super like sprinty rather than this. I would say it was a little bit more marathony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like I was really exhausted by yeah. it. And it was really interesting because there was so much rain. Um, it felt like every time I got done at the uh, panels, you know, I'd have a couple conversations, debrief things with people, blah, blah, blah. Like, so maybe an hour after, then yeah. I would look outside and there'd be some skate event, but then it would got like, would have right. gotten rained out or whatever. So it was a little weird. I was kind of reflecting, thinking like, would have been a better experience. I would have had more time to skate after. And like, I'm also pretty sensitive to like rain and gray weather. And like, if you're having these really like heavy, big conversations and, you know, a couple of the conversations I had were like people that I really look up to, but like on a political level or like a just not even just politics, but just viewpoints, you know, whatever. Uh, I really strongly disagreed with some things people were saying and people I was talking to, but there are also people I really like up, look up to and admire in a lot of ways. So it was, um, it was really heavy for me. It was really hard um, to have those conversations and remain through the rest of the day feeling really strong and confident because it kind of wears you out. Like, um, yeah. Also, uh, we've kind of talked about this before and I think it was apparent last year too, but bringing together so many different minds is like so great, but it also is really hard to be in a space where there's like academic people, there's people with like lived experience, there's people with both, there's people that have neither. Um, and we're all sharing this space together and trying to have these deep, big conversations. And I told myself before I went, I was like, this is pushing borders. Like I'm going to push myself to be less scared about sharing how I feel about the world and what I 
you know, what my truth is and I'm going to expect other people to come in with the same energy. So, um, overall it was such a beautiful thing, but in the moment I was like, who am I? What am I saying? Like, do I know what I'm talking about? Like I totally like kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with the term like gaslighting, but it's like this feeling of like, you're confused and like, you know, not that other people gaslit me, but I almost did it to myself. Like, do I know what I'm talking about? Like, do I really believe this? Like, you know, it was just really hard and intense because there was a lot of different minds converging and um, it was just really intense. That's what I thought was so amazing about it though, was that, you know, on some level, and maybe I can talk about this a bit more because I thought about this some, but um, it wasn't, it was very unlike any skateboarding event that I don't, any of us have ever been to before, including last year's Pushing Borders for, yeah, for you and for I, sure. Uh, for sure. And also it was totally unlike any academic conference that I've ever participated in. Um, and there were these people, as you said, Kristen, that like, you know, people that I've grown up like worshiping or admiring or wanting to get to know better. And then you're in this space with them where not only do you see that you may not see eye to eye with them, but you also recognize that you like share so much in spite of that. Um, or like, you know, like I just felt, I fucking cried every day. (laughs) Like there was some point where I was like moved to tears. Like I'm happy to say, more often than not, it was just hearing someone else in a different panel talking about their experience and talking about what's important to them about skateboarding and like what they love about it or just something about their relationship because I think that's something that we all relate to so viscerally. Um, but also like, and after that kind of, I don't know, like like overpowering emotional experience of like a couple of weeks, I was just like, fuck like what what can I take from this because I found that I really strongly disagreed with a lot of people that I was really uncomfortable with some of the sort of like the way that skateboarding was being discussed in a weird way but also that I was just like fuck like this is the place to like figure this out and it's with these people that I want to have these conversations yeah yeah I think that's super interesting and and Chris and I think to hear you speak about um taking the name of the conference literally it, like really opens my eyes a lot too um I think one of the things that was really interesting for me um Ryan we've kind of bailed on the idea of saying while we were there exactly <laughs> uh, but yeah. um just to keep going Chris and on what you said which is very interesting to me is like you know one of the things that I got to see firsthand uh was you like live who you are, right? Like I have a sense of who you are from looking at you and hearing you on the screen and like, Oh oh yeah. I mean, people don't really know this, but some of us have not even met in person prior to to pushing borders. Right. So to see you, um, essentially embodying and living, um, everything that I I kind of hear you speak of was really impressive. And I mean, impressive in both ways, like, Oh wow. Like I'm, I'm affected by, uh, by admiration for what Kristen is up to, but also like, I felt it kind of in my chest, like, Oh wow. Like here's a person who is fully seems to be 100% committed to always pushing the conversation forward. Right. Like at the risk of discomfort, at the risk of, um, you know, putting people in places where, you know, they might not want to be like, I got to see, um, someone like go full on, like 
push. And it was, it was, it, I, I felt it like viscerally, like, oh my God, she's doing this, which in turn made me really understand in a, in a new way for me, what it means to be an ally. Cause a lot of what I ended up doing at the conference, I don't, I don't, I, we haven't talked about this was like mm. talking to people who had been affected by your sort of, um, push. And so yeah. it was like, oh, now now it's my turn to have the kind of follow up conversation. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the thing I kind of want to understand better and, and what I left really trying to understand a little bit more is that ally is a word that, um, you know, there was an entire panel on allyship. Um, but also it made me really curious about the distinction between ally and like accomplice. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there is something there is something about the sort of work that you and other activists are doing um, in pushing the conversation forward that requires the labor of other people to kind of come in behind and have the rest of the conversation, right? Like mm -hmm. the conversations I had with the guys from Free Skate Mag after the journalism panel was like, okay, this is it. This is, we're, we're doing the work here and the work goes on. It's not just the, the asking the question it's then the follow-up conversations so yeah i i think i i i think you made a really really strong impression thanks man it was like really heavy and i yeah ted i feel you i definitely cried multiple times and yeah i yeah i guess it's it's scary and weird to admit that but i feel really strongly about things and but like to know that those people that maybe come off strong or like the people that have really pointed points or whatever like often like it's not easy to like hold those in confidence and that it takes a whole community, like you said, Kyle, to have those follow up conversations and continue to like unpack things and understand things. Because like a lot of the things that I understand to be true or my truth, whatever you want to call it, is like related to like very real lived experience. And I have to, you know, share my truth, but also give space for people to meet me where I'm at and not because I'll get exhausted if I'm trying to go full sprint right. to meet someone where they are. So right. I do really like that you brought up having those follow up conversations um, to help people understand, to help do that work, yeah. um, because it did sort of feel a little bit like a lot of that work. Um, you know, there are certain aspects of the conference, I think, that were sort of set up for failure. One piece of that Tom spoke on before the women's uh, panel, the revolution will not be patronized, um, spoke to the fact that like the panels lack diversity just across the board. Um, and he talked specifically about our panel, but that's pretty much true across the board for the whole conference. And that, um, so there were kind of conversations that are, you know, looming, you know, before the, even con the conference even started, you know, the fact that the, the core organizing panel is six like white guys. So like things like that, um, you know, and then there's people that aren't from that group or that identity group from various other identities from, you know, all over the world, different genders, identities, whatever, um, coming together. And a lot of that labor for bringing up those issues felt like it was on people of non-dominant identities. Um, but I have to hand it to the organizers that I really feel like, you know, barring maybe some initial like, wait, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Um, they were very gracious incredible listeners, very passionate, very excited about pushing forward and like moving the conversation. And if anything aided and supported like non-dominant folks to feel comfortable, welcome, make changes as needed. Like they were amazing. Yeah. So, um, I, I can't like, I can't give them any more praise. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I can't yeah, give yeah. them enough. They're yeah. just incredible. So I think that's a great like strength of pushing borders and that, um, Kristen, you can like, you can be there and be like, Hey, what, what about this? And, and that they can like respond and be like, Oh shit, we didn't, that didn't occur to us. Thank you. Or like, 
what do you mean? Okay. You know, like that, that would not happen in an academic conference at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Literally pulling people from like the audience. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, that probably wouldn't happen at a skateboard contest. So <laughs> that, right. that to me was like um, a credit to the people that were there and the people that organized it, that like everyone there or key people that were there were invested enough to like really push and push back, you know, and to accommodate, um, I thought was really remarkable. I mean, I was kind of stunned by it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that question of expertise, so just, just to go down the checklist. So I was there and I think this, maybe this transparency is important also, right? Like one of the things that I think a lot of us learned over the course of this year's version of the conference is that the six people who organize it are paid nothing for all of the labor that they do to organize this event. Right. And that their labor is indeed, um, silent and their names are nowhere on the website. Right. This is, this is not something that they are using, um, as a kind of opportunity to, um, you know, find any sort of success or get any sort of praise. Um, so it's important to say, like, I was there by virtue. I my university paid for me to go, um, so I got a chunk of money um, because it counts as ac- professional development. It's part of what happens outside of the classroom for me. It's good for my university to have me be active in the world. So I get a little grant of money um, to buy my plane ticket and pay for some of my hotel, etc. Um, so I They're was like, th- Kyle, Kyle, we need you out there talking about core skateboarding, man. It's, this is how it works. <laughs> this is just totally how it works. If you're not going to sell your fucking novel, dude, at least go. And so I went and ran, uh, I chaired a panel on the industry. It was, it was called stay core, stay poor. And the other thing I got to do that was super exciting for me was I, um, had the opportunity to organize, uh, what I guess is a literary reading, but was really more just like an opportunity for skateboarders to stand at a microphone and read something they believed in, um, which was just the most I mean, I think for me, the the most profound emotion that I felt was uh, when that was finished. I just couldn't believe that it went the way it went. Um, and, you know, I, I spend a lot of time going to literary readings where there are like six people in the audience and I go to like support a friend. Um, so it's really, really rare to go to a literary reading where, first of all, we have to lock the doors because there are too many people trying to get in. And second of all, where there was not a single clunker in the night, like the roster was eight readers and all of everyone just killed it. There wasn't a single like, Oh yawn. Um, and it was, it was amazing. It was really, really powerful. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, uh, I, I was, uh, filming a line and skated like immediately after like filming the line to the event. And I realized that I missed your reading and then in the interview section with Tom, I was like, oh, yeah, Kyle threw to this uh, awesome like reading event. And then he didn't even read anything. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Some friend you are. Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I was like, well, Kyle's such a great guy, you know, just like show up and just stand in the back and like yeah. support other people. Yeah. Such a selfless yeah. guy. I had a chair on the stage the whole time. <laughs> I totally hope the line selfless. was good, Ryan. I hope it was worth it. I hope yeah. you knowledge some big shit, dude. Yeah, dude, we got some likes, you know. It was the <laughs> line I filmed at Mushroom Spot. Oh, that was that was a good line. But I mean, on that on that point of expertise, and this gets back, Kristen, to what you were saying about like 
there were so many different levels of expertise there, right? Like lived Mm -hmm. experience, like academic credentials and research and years put into it. Um, Number of years spent on a skateboard, whether you're thinking about it or not, versus people who have just come to it. And therefore, one of the reasons they're there is because they're like unlikely new skaters, right? It's like, it's unlikely that I started skating. And therefore, my opinion about skateboarding is um, useful and interesting in the conversation, which indeed it is. Um, But that question of expertise, I think, is a really good one, because that's the thing that really throws a wrench, Ted Barrow, in kind of the academic hierarchy that defines all academic conferences and makes this different. Um, And skateboarding. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, true. Like, like, (laughs) no, what I think, okay, my big takeaway after the sort of emotional, like, experience of like kind of feeling like I was so connected to everyone was like, I had no place there. Um, and not, not because of like some oversight on the part of the, um, like organizers or whatever, like it made sense that I would chair a panel on social media, but, um, I was just like, you know, the overall kind of like thrust and the most inspiring thing to me were two things in this conference. It was like the activist side and like the sort of way in which skateboarding can be this like really powerful tool to kind of like in to be used in activism. And the other side of it was the um, like, you know, like how, how entrenched you are in either academia or skateboarding, like whether you work in it um, or you are like incorporating skateboarding into your your like academic professional life and i didn't see myself uh connecting to either of those things so i like i think i've been thinking a lot about expertise in that respect and being like well how do i relate to this this notion of of uh uh, this like this came up for me in the conference um because you don't identify yourself as an activist or you don't think that skateboarding is a tool for your own sort of I no I yeah like I'm not like a great skateboarder I'm not a an academic that writes about skateboarding and I'm not an activist Ted hmm. you write 1500 words a day on your Instagram but not, story but about not, skateboarding but not but not academically not did. like as an academic like I don't I don't That's a, I don't there's fr- a very Sure, but there's a very fine line between. I mean, Kyle doesn't necessarily write about skateboarding as an academic, but, but Kyle's no. a writer and a yeah. novelist, and and his like work is that, and my work is not that, and you know, like yeah, but telling the stories of skateboarding is doing the academic work of, of writing about skateboarding. Wouldn't you say, Kyle? I don't yeah, think so. I would, no. I would say so. I would I, say that also. I mean, you know. I, I think I hear what you're saying. And I think I think to hear you say like you don't have a place in it, I think is a super meaningful thing. And I think it's not terribly different than what Kristen was saying earlier. It's just that you're having that feeling afterwards, whereas she was having it beforehand and during. Um, and I think that that's, that's one of the risks of a conference that has as many different facets as this one has is that if you see all of this and you see how broad it is and you hear all these conversations and then you find yourself afterward being like, God, where do I actually fit into this? I think that can be alienating or in in some way estranging. Um, But I also would say that like, no, you're a fucking historian and you also generate probably more content about skateboarding than, you know, many of our magazines. So I, I, I don't frankly see it, but I respect your feeling. But imagine if there were like an actual magazine where 
want the editor wrote that much about their own experience. <laughs> like that would be an unreadable. Are you talking about Thrasher? No, I'm talking about my Instagram. Like, yeah, you know, like I, right. I, yeah, I write a shit ton, but I'm, I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is my own personal thing. Like I'm, I do think there's a, a very key difference. And this, this sort of was brought into high relief for me is between like the type of writing that I do and like the type of writing I do as an academic, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Shit, like yeah i fucking write a shit ton on instagram and it's usually about like one idea and the idea doesn't advance but like academia like you have to sort of oh you've written this have you published this have you presented right. this like what's your next idea this idea has to evolve and yeah but the, the the conference was so much more than just like academics activists and skaters you know like full stop like the whole the coolest fucking thing about it was how dynamic it was and it got all these people from literally all over the world who like access skateboarding in some way and i don't th i think that you're really like underselling yourself i'm i'm trying to figure out I, I agree, and and that's I think what I was responding to, what I like was really moved by, but I haven't been able to put into words yet what that what how how it was more than that, you know, like or what we yeah. should expect from it, I suppose. You know, Ted Ted Schmidt said was kind of I just had reminded me uh, about a week ago that Ted Schmidt had made a joke in the run up to pushing borders that was basically like like do you have any interest in fake journalists and something, something else, right? Like, like typical Ted Schmidt's, um, self-effacement. Uh, so I'm really curious, Ted, how you feel about this because you spent mo much of the time there actually doing labor, right? Like actually doing, um, the sort of labor that, you know, I, I feel like my labor at that conference was kind of put in quotes or was really concentrated in a couple key sort of moments. And then beyond that, my labor was like being nervous, but you were actually working the whole time. So what, what was that like for you in terms of belonging or the sort of things Ted Barrow is bringing up? Also, who well, had the most annoying voice as the person that had to listen to everybody? <laughs> yeah. uh, um. Oh man, Rick McCrank, I can't stand that guy. Uh, to, to be fair, a fair amount of my labor was being nervous um, up until the point that I was on stage and while I was on stage. Um, there was like a 80% chance I was about to bail and run out the building. Um, <laughs> Thank God you did. Dude, you were so good. You were so, so good. My, my favorite line maybe of the conference was when Ted looks at uh, Ted Barrow looks at Ted Schmitz to introduce him and he goes, Ted, you look like a man of many crises. <laughs> uh, well, he's fair. He was covered in blood and shaking. <laughs> with, a, with a pitcher of water <laughs> in his hand. Uh, yeah. If I was, I said, if you want to experience the driest mouth of your life, coupled with the worst stomach ache you've ever had, uh, you should try to uh, just talk in front of 300 skateboarders just <laughs> it's just an amazing physical experience yeah, um, that was gnarly. but yeah so i will um i will say one uh yeah i was doing labor i was recording the sound which isn't a whole lot different than what i do here basically i just watch these sound waves go up and down and i turn the knobs to to adjust them and make sure they're going into the right channels and i'm sure i you know, one day I made the conference late because I forgot my USB cord. So uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I love uh, waking up to a, a phone call. I, I 
I stayed up till like two in the morning the night before and everyone kind of needed to miss like a panel or two to just for their own sanity. And I was like, all right, finally, like I'm going to sleep in through the first panel, <laughs> wake up to a phone call from a frantic Ted Schmitz who's like, dude, everyone's here. They're already on stage and I forgot my USB cord in my room. You got to go get the fucking cord. Also, <laughs> Ted, like, you like saved the day and I don't think you knew that. Um, cause I believe that was the same morning that we had an issue with the women's panel. Yeah. And oh, we, so we were needed you. a good like hour and a half to talk about it and figure it out. And because you were late that day, we had space to have that conversation and got Kava <laughs> on our panel, which was amazing. Oh, um, that's fucking awesome. Because yeah. that hour and a half, if I knew that I was providing some service, I would have felt you a did, lot brother. better. <laughs> uh, but instead I was also again looking for the exits. It's called, um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, if I could uh, kind of loop it back to to what Kyle asked me, um, and and also Kav on that panel was fucking awesome, and I think we'll get her um, on an episode at some point. Um, but I I could not relate to Ted Barrow more other than sharing a name. Um, I've I felt completely, uh, and, and maybe this is like an issue that I have, but I you know I just felt like. I saw people doing amazing activism and I saw people who had worked very hard to um to have an output in skating that was that actually affected people um and I I find a lot of my work in skating um is just like I I see a world that I love that doesn't make any sense. And so I make jokes and I put them on the internet and then, you know, I see if anybody agrees um, and, you know, and doing this show or, do, or doing no coping or something. And so, so when I was there, I, I really just felt like I'm just like a guy from his bedroom. Like, I don't really feel like, you know, I, I never, you know, I've, I volunteered to skate after school or whatever, but I, I, I certainly didn't feel like, uh, what I had to tell anybody was of particular importance. Um, and, uh, but the other problem of, of doing labor and, and the kind that I was doing, which is like, I'm listening to the conference, but I'm actually just watching kind of the visual representation of the electric signal coming into my computer. Um, so I actually wasn't really listening to a lot of it. <laughs> like I was not comprehending a lot of the words. Um, and it was hard because, you know, I would sort of zone out every now and then or not zone out, but I would, I would tune out from the, um, from the watching the, the audio waveform and I would, I would listen up and I'd be like, Oh wow. Okay. That's really, really cool. And then I would go back to being like, okay, is the, is the recorder good? Like, okay, did that like card fill up? Oh, okay. Let me look at my computer. Like, all right, let me see like how long this has been running and, and make sure like, I'm not going to run out of space in my hard drive or, or I don't know what any number of frustrations I had, but basically, yeah, I had an issue of, of not being fully present because of some of the work that I was doing. And then on the breaks, I was trying mm. to take pictures of people and whatever the fuck, but and skate, and skate um and so but i i talked about this on our uh like little ama session we did that'll go out tomorrow um or from when this goes out i guess week and a half before but um i mean i thought you know i know that like when there was what's called rage against the gays uh talking allyship in skateboarding um i really like kind of 
I saw it on the program before and I was like, okay, cool. Like this is relevant and pertinent and, and important to uh, not only my development, but, but our scene here in Arizona, which has had issues of, of, you know, homophobia. And so I was just like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to fucking catch that. And I fucking listened. And I mean, Sam is really entertaining and cool and and super uh illuminating and and that was awesome to hear from him and and his and and to hear funny stories and then some of the stories were fucking heartbreaking and uh just kind of like you know i'm sitting there with like big ass or no that day i didn't have big headphones on i had little earbuds on so i was just like sitting there like (laughs) like crying into my yeah uh crying into my laptop display but um it was uh goddamn powerful you know just just to i don't think that i was responding mostly to the academic stuff mostly to just hearing how people have been affected by the skate community positively and negatively and i think that talk was really important yeah can we make uh, one thing clear though to listeners is that it's uh it was rage against the gays G-A-Z-E. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, my God. Important. It wasn't a, homonym. a zealous anti-gay. <laughs> oh, God. I, I said it out loud to someone, and they're like, what was it called? <laughs> totally forgot about that. Yeah. U of A has a course called Envisioning the Gays, and it's um, <laughs> oh my God. G-A-Z-E, and it's about uh, identity and representation of photography. And it's like, geez. Like, yeah. Like, well, literally, that, one, like that one's the... actually like slightly more accurate than Rage Against the Gays. <laughs> yeah, Rage like, Against. God it's damn like it. literally the epitome of like people having a blind spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, God damn. Oh, yeah. So um, that was cool. And I, I hope to attend it as a viewer. Yeah. In the future. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you, you were kind of. You were you kind of straddled between just being, um, yeah. I was like a guy skater. Who, yeah, I was like guy who has done a nollie front salad on a ten rail, but also <laughs> like has passed the very low benchmark of getting a bachelor's degree from a state school. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. But also, I mean, you were you were pretty instrumental in like um, organizing some of the difficult conversations, right? Like in in the yeah, sort of uh, yeah. So last year, I I visited Palestine on my own accord and then kind of got tapped in with those guys. Uh, when I met them, I met them through a ROM and, you know, if you listen to the interview with him and then I became friends with Charlie and Theo, uh, I met up with them in Tunisia and that was like when they were, uh, kind of, I don't know, starting to organize this, this year's panel. But, uh, I remember last year I was, I was very interested in, in what it was, but, I didn't get invited, nor did I expect to. And I was just kind of like, ah, it's a lot of money. To, like, it's pretty expensive to fly to London from Phoenix. And so I uh, I waited it out. And actually, Kyle, I think you were the person I talked to and, and Ted Barrow. And you both like mentioned that it was just, you know, or like your uh, review of it was that it was just fucking incredible. And you'd been kind of thinking about a lot of these ideas. And um, I feel like in some way it's kind of birthed the show. Um along yeah. with like a host of other issues but uh yeah so this year i i was i was in tunisia with them and it was funny because i went out there like not really knowing what to expect and we just spent like six hours a day like talking about what the panels would look like and people to invite and i think i suggested Kristen and uh norma and a handful of other people ted schmitz and stuff um and that was also the day that the f- the day that i got there was the first uh 
the drop of the first episode. And so I think they were also kind of like interested in what we were doing. And um, I think that they realized that there was like a lot of similarities between what the issues we're kind of talking about on the show and, and what they're doing with the conference. So um, yeah, and I got to serve on the education panel with uh the guy who switched Benny Hanna over the pyramid in the videos I grew up watching <laughs> uh Rick McCrank and that was really fucking cool because I I never met him before and I've been a, a big fan of him as like a a very like normal guy skater uh who's like a ripping skater but just always seemed like a really grounded dude and so uh we he chaired a panel about education and there's a little bit of intersection there with between like the work that I'm doing at skate after school. And, um, again, also like having gone to university, um, we've kind of talked about the tie-in of skateboarding and education. It was super fun. Uh, I, I really enjoyed all the people, Jessica Forsyth, uh, Esther Sayers. Um, who else was on that panel? Uh, oh yeah. Rhiannon Bader from Skatistan. And, uh, yeah, it was a good conversation. You're also very, super, very informal. super note-takey in the academic uh, performances the day before. You were super engaged with those. It yeah, I like. think for, for me, like some of the, the, the things that I've been kind of thinking about the last year uh, in tandem with like the work I've been doing traveling and like with Skate After School is like what role skate aid organizations or social skate projects play globally and what kind of energy are we channeling into them um should they be activist groups and should they kind of like channel our political frustration through them or maybe is that a little misguided and uh you know issues with fundraising and kind of uh you know like white western uh traditional like philanthropy that like goes into places and um, introduces programs and uh, kind of adopts like the traditional NGO model and uh, what complications might arise from that and how to how to change that and so uh, those were the the conversations that I was most interested in and I'm still like very much like processing a lot of that stuff yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah I thought uh, going back to your education panel I thought it was really interesting a lot of the conversation was around like the failure of like traditional education and then all of us are sitting in chairs in the middle of a skate park <laughs> watching you guys up on like oh, yes. a, so yeah know. John Dahlquist was also on my panel who's yes. so fucking cool and he uh, yeah we got to give a shout out to him because uh, that I actually was went, hilarious yeah <laughs> I, I, I went uh, I went a week early and stayed at Brig and like kind of helped them set up and hung out with all the folks from the globally stoked panel including Aram and some others and uh, shout out Layla yeah shout out Layla and uh yeah so got to hang out with them which was nice because it like it, I felt like really grounded by the time everyone got there and I wasn't like buzzing with excitement and so yeah John runs that school Briggeriet uh which is kind of most people know as like the place that breeds cr crazy Oski. Instagram skaters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not only Oski, but, but uh, Haytor. Hey and uh, Sarah Merler. Yeah, and Deeds. And uh, there's like even a couple other pros. And so the entire Polar team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a Polar West training facility. Yeah, Bill <laughs> Wester is also from there. And so, yeah, that was cool because like they have a really interesting model where they like basically got funding from the state to do a skateboard school like a school that is centered around skateboarding and he's like a you know like he, he i don't think he was a pro but he uh you know is like a street skater who's like versed in he's our like world the swedish and, ricky iola 
Yeah, and so <laughs> not it was interesting because you know he he prefaces his kind of origin story always with like I never wanted to do like a I never wanted to institutionalize skateboarding and I was super hesitant about like running a school but I think they've tried uh, throughout the years to kind of um, stray from the kind of coaching in formalized instruction model that I think a lot of people are turned off by and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was just interesting kind of hearing uh, how they've adapted and grown over the years. Yeah, I was, I want to teach there. I want to like move to Sweden. Be a, Me too. Yeah. Let's all, let's, let's all do that. Like, let's just make this very clear. Let's all, we're all going to Malmo. No, like straight up, it would be so rad to go there. I talked to him about that, like trying yeah. to go there for a month and just doing like a little. Same. Um, I don't yeah. I think a lot, I think a lot of us is. really pretty much peppered John. I also feel the need to point out that John is also a novelist um, and that. What? Yeah. I didn't catch any of that. Yeah. Well, so S- Swedish publishing, Norwegian publishing, Danish publishing a little less so like is a really, really small time affair. So like they put out very small books and they do very small runs. Um, so like novels there could be like 50 page to 100 page things rather than our kind of American idea of like massive sort of 278 literary objects. Um, but yeah, when I when I spoke with him, like one of the things that we like geeked out about was um, that he's a fiction writer and that, you know, he has a new book coming out that's basically about skateboarding. Um at with you know a small Swedish press, which might be redundant. Like I think most Swedish presses are pretty small affairs. Not like that giant IKEA uh, literary press. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty cool what they're doing with the school, and they have another one in Stockholm. My friend uh, Nina worked out, and the way that she described it to me is the idea that like if young people are passionate about something, if you put what they're passionate about or passionate about at where they have to go to school and jump through the hoops to be productive members of society or whatever you want to say school is for. Um, the idea is that if you put what they're passionate at, at the place where they have to go, then that's just a win-win for everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's ideas of institutionalized, institutionalizing skateboarding that can be kind of corny or like not like relevant to young people, but I think they have done a really good job of, um, kind of balancing between the two, like making it like official and a, a good school, but also at the same time making it relevant to young people. And I do think they, in a lot of ways in Sweden and skateboarding and the way that they've worked with government is like probably the coolest way you could possibly do it. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. definitely a model globally for the world. To I'm, I, I'm so glad out Gustav. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah. you, you brought up institutionalizing skateboarding. Cause I thought that that was like maybe where the root of my discomfort with the entire thing stems but also like what it means to like institutionalize skateboarding if that's possible and also like like let's talk a little bit about like the institution of academia and what that means too because i think like you know most people when you describe if any of us were like oh we're going to this academic conference about skateboarding in sweden prior to this they'd be like huh weird you know, or like, what's that about? Or yeah, they didn't believe me when I went through passport control. They're like, where? And I was like, oh, it's it's in Malmo. It's called Pushing Borders. Uh, there's a website, and the guy's like, stamp. <laughs> but like at first, he looked at me like I was nuts. Yeah. Um. But like, I guess yeah. Like, what does it mean to institutionalize skateboarding, and is that even a relevant way of thinking about what happened at Pushing Borders? You know, like. Are we going to generate courses out of this? Are we going to? Are there no. going to be books written? Like, or is it about like going skating with friends? And actually, 
collaborating with people that you've met at this conference, which I'm sure we're all going to do over the next few years. Yeah. Right. I think it's going to be everything. I think people are going to be inspired to go and try things. Sure. You know, like, and I think in all these different ways, like people are pushing, making skateboarding more normalized and that's effectively what we're doing. I mean, if you look at what like Leo Valls is doing, um, you know, with making skateboarding in the streets legal, like he's working with local government, like that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily core. The core thing would be, would be just to skate the spot. And when security kicks you out, you run away or fight them, whatever, you know, but like he's actually working with the local government to make it legal and, you know, I think it's like, that's just the trajectory of what we're on, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, Like, I like, I think it's sick when, um, oh, what's his name? We were just talking about him. When he was like, yeah, skateboarding hasn't been cool since 93 or whatever. Like, John, John. Yeah. 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 No, Eastern since, Exposure since 3. Eastern Exposure 3, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. All, of us, all of us clamoring over each other. Eastern Exposure 3. Yeah, thanks guys. <laughs> Actually, Actually it was, um, that, that was released in 1995, but um, no. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm there was a question at on Betsy's thing about like sacred sites and someone was like about like putting skateboarding in a museum and whether that was a good thing or not. And I was just like, well, my first response was like that's a really good question and I would ask that question too, but my second response to someone who's worked in a museum is like, do you have any idea how powerless these institutions are to like they know that they can't represent skateboarding in its full breadth, you know, like they're doing everything they can to preserve a tiny piece of it. That's not institutionalizing it. That's just like trying to make an artifact fact out of it. And I think, um, I don't know. I, I, I thought that that sort of sentiment, oh, wait, sorry. Well, I, yeah. And I, I mean, again, I use that term to like kind of talk about Brig, but like for me, uh, the most interesting conversations again to tie it back to philanthropy is like how can we like move away from institutionalizing skateboarding you know like how can we uh move to different funding models so that we can make our culture a little less toxic or like reliant on corporations or um you know like global foundations that have historically had like a pretty awful track record and so i feel like a lot of the interesting conversations was like look we think skateboarding is a super powerful tool for social change and a lot of the kind of current funding models are producing some pretty awful situations maybe not outcomes but like putting us in some kind of yeah some tough spots and so (laughs) yeah maybe not um (laughs) but uh yeah so i don't know i i feel like it was like okay so do you think like a big part of i mean i think that i'm part of me is like how incredibly bold and like amazing that like as skateboarders we would our concern would be to or and i don't mean our i mean your concern would be to like help other people and like is is there something inherent in skateboarding that is like sort of like diy and like we need to do that like we need to figure this out in our own way because it traditionally hasn't fit so squarely in like um more traditional models or like i'm i'm because like yeah that that amber's speech was fucking floored me you know Mm-hmm. tears <laughs> again and and i was just like these people don't have training to do this type of charity work like people like you know like but no yeah, one but no one does in the models where you get training like often kind of like funnels you into no i know uh, and no one yeah. else is doing this and like this is fucking amazing that skateboarders are that like we identify skateboarding as one thing that can kind of like help uh 
lessen the unimaginable burden of of these these marginalized people you know well well, so if i if i could speak to that sort of quickly because i think this overlaps with what i was trying to say here like the person who asked that question for to betsy of the smithsonian Mm -hmm. um i'm 95 percent certain that was mohammed zakaria um from the seven hills documentary right about jordan so and there's i have an interview with him too so so that question is a particularly germane one um Mm -hmm. because he's from a part of the world that has been plundered um by western museums right so like that question is is unique to him and i think I think just that point that everybody who was there came into that conference with their own sense of their own relationship to not just skateboarding, but all of the things that popped up around it. And so I guess one of the questions I have for the future of the conference is like, you know, the thrust this year seemed to be more socially engaged than last year's model. Um, and, And I think there is a very real way that um, because of the, com- the the conversations about inclusion, inclusivity, the conversations about identity, the the conversations about representation, like a lot of what seems to be the push is toward what I'm going to group under the umbrella of social approaches to skateboarding, social applications for skateboarding, social questions within skateboarding. Um, and, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that those are very important conversations. However, those are also just super important conversations about the world at large. And one of the things I kind of get a little um, a little nervous about is the idea that we only talk about skateboarding in the way that we talk about the rest of the world. Um, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there is there is also a very real way that like my interest in skateboarding is social, but also like, I'm super interested in just pure aesthetics. I'm yeah, super that's interested. like Twitter brain, right? What's that? that it, all, it, it all becomes what? That it all becomes like social? It all becomes like social commentary and like right. you kind of like channel it through your political. Right. And, yeah, right. I mean, th- like part of, like I was just like, why ha- am I not chairing a panel on like skateboarding and art and like like the visual culture of skateboarding? Because that's like that's actually my level of expertise, you know, that dovetails with like the thing that I, the two things that I love the most and care the most about. And like, and, but, but in the face, and I, I'm saying this like in all candor in the face of these urgent issues, like humanitarian crises and like the sort of like work about inclusivity that, that other people at that panel were doing, mine seemed frivolous even if it right. happens to be the thing that i care the most about you know and so i so think this is yeah like in the future i would love to see like a broader and equally meaningful sort of spectrum of of topics so what were some what, so what were some of the standout moments from the conference kristen you want to go ahead sure uh my number one favorite moment nick from palomino saying quote I learned what a pronoun was this weekend. Um, (laughs) That was amazing. Um, And uh, also Ted being on stage and commenting on the handrail that was in front of you. That made me like bust out laughing. Ted Barrow. Um, Yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah, Ted Barrow. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, And then I had a really great conversation with Arthur from FreeMag. My friend Angie asked a question during the journalism panel just about women's representation, just kind of going back to like the diversity question and just my friend Norma being up there 
um, being one of two women up there um, out of, I think, the six people on stage um, and the only um, panelist. Um, and, you know, she asked a really pointed question to all the men on the panel uh, asking about women's representation and like their approach to it and understanding that even if they're like, yeah, we'll run your content in our mag, like the basic point of like women not being a part of the leadership of your magazine just kind of is problematic in and of itself because at a certain point you're just kind of exploiting women that are like going out there and getting this content. Um, and then even on like another level, like just sending, you know, even if you don't have a woman photographer to like work with, you know, sending out homeboy with this girl, it doesn't mean like that's going to make her feel really comfortable and want to get content with him. And there's just a lot of issues around that. Um, and it kind of stems back to like the leadership model of just being like a handful of guys. Um, and Arthur chose to answer that question and he answered really defensively. But after the panel was done, I was like, hey, what's up? Just want to give you some feedback. And we actually ended up having a really good conversation and started to sort of unpack things. And um, I think he really heard us, which was really cool um, and was like open to feedback and, and did a good job um, at listening and taking it all in. And, you know, by the end of the weekend we were skating together and stuff and so I was just that was one moment that wasn't necessarily an easy moment but it probably was one of my favorite moments was just having a informal conversation after one of the panels where I really felt like um you know the community that I'm a part of the community that I identify with with other non-traditional skaters was really heard by one of the more influential people in global skateboarding word up word Kyle what about uh, for you yeah, I'll, I'll say three very quickly. The first one is uh, Dwayne Dixon, who teaches. Um, he's, a, he's in Durham. I'm almost certain he's at Duke. Um, he g gave a presentation during the academic sort of panels in that, that first day, um, talking about Foucault and talking about essentially skateboarding as protest um, and uh, essentially as a way to rail against the state. And it was really the, the only sort of portion of the conference that seemed to really sort of cling to skateboarding as a revolutionary act. And I thought that was super beautiful. Um, secondly, uh, Nick Sherratt Palomino um, did a 50-50 on the vert ramp, like as he was coming in to sit on the panel and admit to a room full of 300 people, 300 skaters that he didn't know what pronouns were until this week. Um, and I think Nick was just an incredibly engaged and um, really present person throughout the entire conference. And then finally, uh, Kim Woozy, who was on uh, my panel, um, what I thought was really, really amazing was how much her name came up uh, before her panel. Um, and, and the number of people who spoke of her as a mentor and spoke of um, the sort of support that's, that seems to pretty obviously be a core tenet of um, the girls and women's skateboarding community as it's sort of come into being, uh, that really seemed to me to provide a, an alternative model to the sort of hyper-competitive reality of... Uh, that that attends to so much masculinity ideas of like if you don't if I don't if 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 I don't get it you don't get it or I got to beef with you because if you're number one then I'm going to have to be number three or four like just you, it just seemed to be that Kim was sort of at a center of a lot of conversations about support and uplifting and um, providing uh, resources to individuals that I just found was was super inspiring. Go Kim. Big yeah. kid fan over here. Ted Barrow. Um, two moments. I mean, you know, it's hard to condense them to two, but 
Paul O'Connor describing himself more as a skate hamster than a skate rat. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah, Uh, because I can relate. And then at the end of it, uh, after our talks, Kyle, we went skating with Martin and Martin uh, at at the... um, The Sablone spot. The Sablone spot. And it was raining and we were fucking tired and I hadn't slept the night before. And like, there was this, all this like nervous energy and I like kind of hurt myself, but I was really fucking fun. We were skating in the rain. You did that amazing wall ride, kickflip out, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, kind of like the perfect moment. And at a certain point, like I went around the corner and I saw Una and Neats. Neeks. Neeks. Yeah. 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 And, um, like just sort of sat down with them, like, on a bench that smelled like urine and like talked for 25 minutes just kind of about shit that like was we came up in the conference but really just like talking as skateboarders do as friends do as people that like our sharing space together does and i was just like really fucking like this is so cool you know like like uh yeah, I don't know. It was just just that. It was partly like, you know, sort of seeing an affinity with people that were on stage, that people whose work you respect. And then also just remembering that um, in spite of our very many differences, which are absolutely uh, in many times of critical importance that, um, yeah, we're just, I, I'm not saying like gay, straight, like let's skate, but like that, like you know, we were, that there was just like, there were these moments of like really intense engagement. And there were also moments of just like what I think all of us love about skateboarding, uh, in equal measure. Yeah. Can I uh, piggyback on that really quick? And one thing that I forgot to mention that I think Ryan and I talked about was that it felt like camp because you (laughs) just always run into each other and you'd see each other. And I would have a kind of Want to go get a falafel? (laughs) (laughs) We, we talked shit about Swedish food last episode. I'm going to give them a break this time. Um, I'm not going to have... I'm on like no falafels for a year. I'm waiting until next Pushing Borders. Um, <laughs> Yo, you should have tried the meatballs, Chris, and they were killer. Yeah. Well, they're good in, they're good in London, though. I hope they're the good next Ikea. Pushing Borders they got veggie is in ones. Bordeaux, so the food will be good. <laughs> um, anyways, going back to my point about it feeling like camp was that even if you had an uncomfortable situation or like conversation or you didn't really agree with somebody, but then you had another opportunity to engage that with that person on another level. And so I was feeling this great sense of like really a lot of hope, some anxiety, but then it was like kind of quelled by the ability to just see and be with people um, in different capacities. And I think that's really beautiful. And I think ultimately when people are in close quarters with each other and closer together, that like really means a lot. And a lot of us only interact through the internet and through like, oh, here's my hot take on these sneakers and this clip and this person's footage and this style. Like, it's easy to feel really alienated. And although we did talk about kind of feeling like imposters a little bit and everyone had their anxieties at the conference, I think in retrospect, like, I did feel like a really strong sense of community. I don't think that can get be achieved unless you're physically in the presence of other people Mm -hmm, and to have mm -hmm. time and space with each other to talk and dialogue. Um, And I was just impressed with how much people were committed to having those difficult conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Schmitz. What were some uh, takeaways for you, or some highlights? Uh, I didn't. What was your highlight reel? Um, getting in an argument with Ted till like four in the morning about whether or not I should <laughs> appreciate Ocean Howl every uh, night. You mean? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Thanks for Ted, Ted not Tr- letting me sleep, fucker. 
Yeah. Ted Schmidt's calling Ocean Hal the milk crate guy and refusing oh to give God. him any sort of uh, <laughs> I wanted to fucking crawl out of my skin. Oh my that, God. That's that was I, such an iconic moment. That's looking two, blank two face after that argument, by the way. Blank faced <laughs> at, at Ocean Hal with a great answer and a, a table full of people going, you think I even know who you are? You're the milk crate guy to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Which was only funny because everyone just had like the most like extreme levels of adoration for Ocean Howell, who was kind of like the the he was like the patriarch of the the conference. He yeah. truly was. Yeah, <laughs> our benevolent uh -oh. leader. So it was, it was nice to have see Ted uh, take him down a notch. Um, no, uh, like like I said, you know the 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 one panel that I did pay a lot of attention to, uh, which is you know kind of unfortunately has has. The name Rage Against the Gays, G A Z E, um, was a, um, I mean, one of the most profound instances was kind of a traumatic coming out story from a guy named Mark Nichols. Mm. No, what, yeah, well, Mark Nichols. Yeah, um, he was a filmer uh, living in San Diego at the time and uh, filmed a lot with Osiris and stuff, and and had had a kind of a a rough coming out experience, coupled with some support of a of close friends which was really powerful to hear that and to kind of see the the damaging effects of keeping around homophobic language um but but then uh on that same panel there was a guy who i'd never heard of his name is jan horowitz oh i loved him jan is a i live star, for him he's, dude. he's power a, animal i yeah. love him he so pleaded, much pleated corduroys he has an yeah he has an amazing vibe i can't even describe it it's like 80s playboy but like yeah surf, he's so like hot. euro it's surfer insane. like i can't quite place it but <laughs> super hot he, he, i can't that entire panel was like babes yeah, yeah. can we just say was, that too he, he was amazing but hottest panel he, for show he had he had just some amazing one-liners like <laughs> where where he was just kind of like like ripping on you know if if you know like an imagined homophobe basically but he was like he's like what you know what do you mean about being gay and skating he's like he's like i like to go skating and then afterwards i have gay sex and <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. and and uh and and i can't remember if he actually said this to somebody or not but um but he was like he's like if you hang out with me, you find out I'm a very cool guy. And yeah, like come to one of my big gay parties. They're a blast. <laughs> and, and I thought that that was such a cool, like, I fuck, I don't know. It just cracked me up. And and he was so like, he was po like so positive about kind of like his experience basically being like, he's like, you know, there's like negativity out there and you know, it affects other people in other ways. But he's like, he's like, basically he's like, if he's like if you want to you know know my experience he's like come on it's fucking awesome like yeah and and i thought he was just like so charming and sick and cool and fucking hilarious so wait I, can i also that yeah and this kind of relates Wait, did you say so german so, south african south, south african, african yeah. yeah um oh he's yeah, I don't. I don't know what his accent I was. was. Just, I, I liked assume your he accent, was Swedish. No what it was, because yeah, like, it was while good. you're while that accent is still on in your mouth, like my one of my favorite moments. This I can't be like just condensed to like a a, a bullet point. And I'm sorry if I'm taking over time, but like when we're all at the red shoe, <laughs> and Ted rolls oh up and and like does an impossible in the entire like bar, which is out on the sidewalk, is like, yeah. And like <laughs> I see his ears grow three inches and his eyes start to sparkle. And so he fucking heel flips the curb, like lands, and then immediately credit cards over folds over the handrail 
basically almost falling into the river. Uh, human and, taco. Yeah, human taco. And then everyone's just like, yeah! And he like comes over, high fives, like belly laughs, and the, and then this bloody. Bloody as fuck, and then the cop. And please, yeah. Ted, can you can you just like for the record give him give us the speech? Yeah. So I I had come back across the street and at, at the bar and and I and I was uh, I was going through my heroes welcome and uh, <laughs> and and I didn't know if he was a security guard or a cop because like I didn't I just assumed that Not like Scandinavian doesn't an have police cop. and it's like an anarchist like uh, you <laughs> know uh, yeah commune and everything's perfect but no he comes over like all fluorescent and and he's <laughs> like like you know we're right next to these speeding cars and I just run across the road and he goes he goes um. So, excuse me, but in Sweden, we have laws in our bars that help with the conduct, and it's so that people don't do things that are stupid, and what I just saw you do was very stupid, and... And and I think he's gonna like kick me out because it's like you see a cop at a bar or a security at a bar, it's like, oh, okay, you're 86, and I'm just like getting ready for him to like kick me out, and and he goes... So, yes, uh, I don't know if you have these laws in the States. I think maybe not. <laughs> and, and and he goes, so if you would, please, don't do that again. <laughs> so reasonable. And I was like, I was so like yeah, reasonable. I'm not going to run across like four lanes of traffic. He'll flip up the curb, taco the gate again. I oh like promise God. I won't. Yeah. Um, the worst part was is like, like he he would he was doing that to everyone. He was so fucking polite, but he you know, and like I'm so accustomed exactly to like hyper aggressive like fascist cop security <laughs> guard dudes. Like so every time he'd be like, uh, if you don't mind, if you could just like not stand in the street, I'm very worried about your public safety. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, totally, man, fucking high five, bro, you're the best. And then <laughs> yeah. you want some of my beer, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, like, like fucking dude, do a beer. shot with me. And then immediately ignore him. And then like you know, two minutes later, he's like, ah, uh, as I have just said, I'm I don't want to lose my patience, but I'm just asking you, please, nicely to. <laughs> Oh man, you're the fucking best, man. I'm sorry, bro. I'm the worst, man. Dude, when I got my laptop stolen, everyone's like, "Yeah, call the cops." I'm like, "You guys call the cops here?" Like, yeah, what's they're, like, they're like, "Yeah." And then, and then I get home and I'm like, "Oh fuck, I need my like police report for my insurance." I check my mail. Police reports in my mailbox. Oh my god. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Take notes. Yeah, it's like it works. Um, it works. So not, another not a highlight: getting your laptop stolen. Yeah, that wasn't is, a highlight. Yeah. However, the fact that I just in that moment just didn't give a shit because I was having a great time yeah. really speaks volumes. Yeah. Pushing yeah. borders, you can get your laptop jacked and not care. Ryan, you <laughs> got a couple takeaways? Uh, yeah, I got three. Uh, I'll be I'll try to be quick because we're going over on time. Uh, one, the overwhelming level of just wholesome mom energy at the conference was oh, something yeah. I totally did not expect. With like Indigo Willing and Esther Sayers, uh, Betsy just, Gordon. Betsy Gordon like it was just it was great like I, I was like you know I have a good relationship with my mom and she's like very skate friendly and so I just felt like it was such a comfortable space and so rad to like hear of all these like women who picked up skating in their 30s and 40s oftentimes like even without their kids or like they don't even have kids and I was like oh this is fucking it was really cool um two uh Theo, who was one of the organizers, and he works for Skate Pal, uh, right before Kyle's panel, in a moment of just trying to capture the essence of how evolving the conference was and 
dealing with all the complications and the oversights that they made and trying to do like very real live self-reflection uh you know again before the very last panel and um he like walked off stage and then just like burst into tears and it was like this incredible like leveling moment for the entire I i felt like everyone in the audience was just like holy shit like we've all kind of been through a lot here and this was super profound mm-hmm. um and we all just like everyone just started crying together um and yeah i mean theo just like works so fucking hard uh on everything that he does and i just yeah gotta say that i love i love you theo oh yeah yeah he's the best he was seriously way too nice to me for just like clicking the record button yeah um <laughs> and then lastly uh one of the highlights from the panels was on the Globally Stoked panel, which was basically last year they had folks from different social skate projects around the world, uh, which were primarily like the people who founded those organizations. Now this year they brought in uh, folks from that actual like beneficiaries of the organization and people who are like locals on the ground who are working for them, uh, which was a really rad idea. And Yeah, that's uh, super awesome. Yeah, uh, Aram, who, you know, he's like a good friend of mine. And I was staying in a hotel with him, but he like had this moment where he, someone asked him uh, about, you know, programming and building skate parks and like volunteering. And he had this like really just kind of raw moment where he actually like broke the third wall and was like, you guys mind if I just go off for a second? And everyone in the audience was like, yeah, hell yeah, just just go off. Like, it's fun. And uh, he was just like, man, like, it was like a little bit of a refute of the kind of traditional charity model, but he's just like, dude, I don't, I don't want to live in a world where like people come, like the goal for this is not for people to come volunteer. Like, I'm happy that you do it and you like change a kid's life. But the problem is you come for two weeks and give them a board and then they talk about you for the rest of their life and, or the rest of their childhood. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, I just want people to come here. Like they go to Barcelona, like just come and skate with, with us. And it was just like, I don't know. Yeah. It was like a really powerful moment. And he, he, I think he also said like, he's like, dude, people don't go volunteer in California. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, uh, and, you know, and a lot of us, like myself included, it's like, you kind of feel drawn to like trying to go help and, um, that manifests itself in different ways. And you kind of like learn what's appropriate and what's like maybe creating some, some issues. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting kind of like hearing him like process that as he kind of like takes on a more fo- formal role of uh, at Skate Pal. And I don't know. I was just super proud of him to say that, uh, which was great because like a lot of the conversation was like, yeah, we need like more kind of charities. And he was kind of speaking the language of like mutual aid, which is like, look, come here and do like a skills exchange, like hang out with us, skate with us, like help promote skateboarding. But like this doesn't need to be like institutionalized and it doesn't need to be coming from this place of moral superiority where you're like coming as this like kind of white savior and like handing mm-hmm. out clothes right. and stoking out all the kids. And then you just kind of like bail and post photos on your social media, you know? Yeah. I That's such an important like layer of the conversation that often gets missed. It, like with any charitable work, um, like I hated my um, economics classes I took in college, but there's one thing that I remembered was the, my professor saying something like, even if you give like someone on the street a dollar that's begging for money, there's still an exchange that happened. And the exchange is that, you know, you give that person that dollar and you feel great about yourself for the rest of the day because you gave money to a homeless person or person experiencing homelessness. Um you know, and to think about that in like the charitable work that you do and to keep that in mind. And that may 
hopefully impact the way that you tell the story about the like help that you provided. Um, I felt a similar feeling when I went to Cuba and when we went to Cuba um, and all of that and the way that you talk about that charitable work and what can you do to like actually have a cultural exchange versus having this like savior moment where you're like stoking out the kids and then you just leave, you know, and then you post about it and you get all this, you gain clout, people look up to you, people respect you, you know, and like in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm just giving back. But it's like, you're actually taking quite a bit. And Mm -hmm. like, how can you have a better lens to look at that work? Um, Yeah, that's amazing that Aram said that was such a cool moment. Yeah, Yeah, it was really rad. And uh, once again, just to close that out, uh, please watch all of the conferences when they post them on the Pushing Borders website. I think they're going to be up in like probably the next month or so. And again, if you want to listen to the interviews, we interviewed a lot of people we just talked about. Uh, You can subscribe to the Patreon. And uh, here's a real hack you can do. Actually, just subscribe to the Patreon, listen to all the premium content, and then you can unsubscribe. Hey, 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 No, honestly, like, I, I don't want to, no. you know, I don't want there to be too many barriers. And you, there's people out there who love the show and will support it. But like, you know, if you want really want to get access to that content, like I partially five feel bad. Yeah, you pay five bucks. Yeah. Uh, and what you, about you, this? What if, what if you want access and, to the content and you can't afford it? Just DM us and we'll send it to you. Yeah, Ooh, exactly. Good call. Good call. Because, um, um, yeah, part of us feels like a little bad for paywalling it, but it's like, you know, it's a lot of work. And um, and I haven't paid my power bills. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. So on that note, uh, let's do Funeral Pyre and try to get through this quickly. Uh, who wants to burn it down first? Ted Schmitz? Uh, describing board movements in journalistic writing. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Yes. Daily, how dare you? No, uh, just a quick note about it. Um, I, and, you know, I'm not a story editor at the New York Magazine, so what the fuck do I know? But as a skater, and I realize that you're not writing for skaters, you're writing for non-skaters, and as nannies is all pejoratively call them every now and then for funsies, but it's <laughs> that you're trying to you're trying to translate something about the moment to them, and you're trying to give them a visual signal of what's happening, and you're trying to give them a, a, a literal account, which is a lot what journalists do, but unfortunately, it doesn't matter if the board... <laughs> spun over the X or the Y axis, and it doesn't matter if it flipped once, twice, and if your shoulders turned around so you were facing backwards or not. What matters is the sort of, uh, what the, the sort of emotional weight of that moment is that, you know, either the trick is of personal difficulty or of a special danger or of, you know, some type of, you know, creative, um, it's that the skater is bringing a, a sort of a, a new perspective to, to look at the obstacle or the trick. Describe the trick by name. It, they're, they're insanely easy to Google. Like yeah. if you look up kickflip front board, there's just a thousand YouTube videos of it. You don't need to describe these things. My thought is that anyone who's reading an article about skateboarding who's a nani has at least played EA Skate or yeah, Tony Hawk's like, Pro Skater. Yeah, it's like, make that jump. Like don't describe the rotations. Don't describe the popping, the sliding, the kicking. It's just, it's very, um, I don't know, maybe it is pedantic, and but I think a lot is, is lost in that. And I think it's a move that we're assuming that these non-skaters are g- going to go, 
oh, I really didn't understand what was happening in that moment, but now I know that the skateboard flipped around yeah, this yeah. side as he kicked the tail back and he slid his front foot up and kicked it off to the side so it turned over <laughs> and then he landed on the rail, shifted his shoulders over, looked over the back of his shoulders, waited till he got the to the end of the waxed ledge and then shifted his weight back over, rode straight and got into the road. Like, I, I, Ted, I how else am I supposed to learn tray flip lip? And, and also, like, <laughs> how, did, how did he manage to go from a rail Fucker. to a, a waxed ledge? Like, where, I can't remember. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what's so bad about this, the writing. This trick actually, so I, I demand to see this trick now. Um, I, yeah, I think that's a good one. I would also say that let's let's put blame where blame is due, and that's ninety nine percent of the time the fucking editors, and yeah. it's not the writers themselves. I could see that. Yeah, the, the editor is going like, wait, I don't understand what is at stake in this moment. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, will you go next? Yours are always good. <laughs> I'm always just complaining about men, but <laughs> here no, we are no, again. No, I just remember flat ballers should be round. That's my favorite one of all. Sandwich, sandwich shape. If it's <laughs> as big as a sandwich, it's not a flat. Just bar. always complaining about men and flat bars. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my two points. That's it. The two things I want to change about skateboarding: men and all flat bars. Um, <laughs> the flat. But on the topic of men um, and whoever in general. Um, but men in particular in the industry, I, I found myself a couple times in this situation where men in the industry have like asked me my opinion about something and I'm sort of at this crossroads where I'm like, okay, option A is I can tell you my opinion, probably sound crazy to you because the lived experience I have and the historical knowledge that I have about systems of oppression now, knowing that I'm not an ex expert, but I would say that I'm probably more educated in that field than your average man in the industry. So knowing that, like I can explain to you my true thoughts and feedback and it, you know, I might sound crazy. It might go over your head or you might take my ideas and run with them. Or my other option is to smile and go thumbs up and go, no, man, everything's chill, bro. And they go, all right, cool. And then they continue down this path of making like cringy choices. Um, and so my thing I want to pyre is just like asking me, I, me my opinion, but not paying me for my time, like, you know, and other women as well. So if you, if you want to know real opinions of like women to make better decisions about how your company or your brand or whatever can be more equitable and inclusive, like pay women for their time, bring them on as consultants. Um, don't ask for that information for free because a lot of it's lived experience that we'll share with you. And, um, if you are willing to hear it and women are willing to share it, give them a lot of space to listen and understand and do your homework. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Who wants to go next? I'll go. I've been thinking about um, why. One of the things that was interesting was that what, Pushing Borders this year also did not shy away from talking shit about long borders. Like, despite all the growth, like, it still seemed okay to make jokes about long borders, which I sort of uh, found. <laughs> super intriguing throughout the entire conference because they came from uh, all walks of life. Um, but in any case, I've been thinking about the longboard thing and I've been thinking about the boosted board thing. Um, and it occurs to me that because I I'm always, you know, trying to come up with a better definition of what skateboarding is. Right. Um, uh, just on a pure, purely linguistic level. Um, and, and it occurs to me that a, a great deal of what is important to me about what skateboarding is has to do with hitting your tail on the ground. Right. Like downhillers don't hit their tail boosted boards. I don't even think they have tails. Um, 
but this all gets me to a thing that doesn't use its tail ever, um, an event that doesn't require people to use their tail, um, and is also the most spectacular and, you know, increasingly bigger and more, uh, uh, visually impressive event in skateboarding. I hope that this is a segue into a tail devil. No, I'm saying that we should fucking pyre the mega ramp once and for all. I think it's got to go. I think it's terrible. I think it's bad. I think it's ugly. It's classist. I think it's classist, and I think it has nothing to do with what skateboarding actually is. It is classist. It's fucking, it's gymnastics, and it's got nothing to do with what skateboarding is. You don't hit your tail. It's not skateboarding. Declassified from skateboarding. It's out. Oh, I love that. My dude. That's a hot take, Kyle. Unless unless you're Bob Bernquist doing a trick off flat into the mega ramp. That's skateboarding. Um, that that that's hilarious. I don't think it's hilarious. I'm deadly serious. The mega ramp's gonna fucking kill people, and it's gotta go. Yeah, yeah. Jed Eaton almost died in a mega ramp. Ted Barrow, what do you got? Um, people saying that something's ruining skateboarding. <laughs> example you did yes you did like, not see my twitter fight yesterday did you no no uh, just the no, visual no, I, ted I is like to laying down on his couch looking at his phone right now <laughs> so <laughs> i'm listening I, I had my shit locked and loaded um yeah like just like when when like old dudes are like oh this shit's gotta end this is ruining skateboarding like no, motherfucker, quit skateboarding if you're seeing everything that's bad about skateboarding. You know, like, you're yeah. what's ruining skateboarding by being so fucking retrograde. Like, <laughs> I don't, you know, like, skateboarding is always going to be young, and and as such, it will always look obnoxious to people who are not young. So, like, the moment you find yourself indicting something that you think is ruining skateboarding, you're the problem, not the person, that, not the not what you see. Dude, look in the mirror, bro. That's what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> um, it's Michael Jackson. That's Man. awesome. I, <laughs> I, I've spent too much of my mental energy on this fight, but one of my friends called a Stoner Park kid's like trap edit. You know, basically signaled his own dinosaurness through it. Yeah. And uh, and and I just thought it was kind of funny. And someone was like you know how dare you cyber bully this kid and i was like i i guess but you know i I don't know how i really feel about and sometimes there are issues of um appropriation i don't know what it's called but what i um, i mean all that stuff that like looks obnoxious to us is like a lot less bad than the corny shit that we all grew up with oh yeah yeah yeah, for sure um yeah, I have a maybe I'll save this question for later uh, about that specific um, Twitter discussion I had because I don't really want to rehash it here. But I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think there's yeah, also a difference. Nobody's between, ruining like, your skating. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I remember this one like Life of Ryan came out that like MTV show about Ryan um, Sheckler yeah. uh, crying about <laughs> not having a girlfriend and such. And I just remember, oh, like this is ruining skateboarding. And people talk about that with the Olympics, like all that shit. It's like, dude, every time I go skateboarding, I have fun. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. All I know is that on my trajectory, there's just been more skate parks. It's less weird when I tell people I skate. Like I go to city council meetings and advocate for skate parks and it's not weird. The city council person comes and skates. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. And yeah, that's like, I think... Anytime you say something's ruining it, like I totally agree. I think um, it's okay to have opinions about things, but oh yeah, no, you can't no, it's imp- say that. it's great to yeah. like critique it and to sort of speak out of love for this thing that we all do and be like, you know, well, th- we we could work on this, but like that dismissive, like this is ruining it and it fucking sucks now. 
Like yeah. that that's not productive to me. Trick of the week? Trick <coughs> of the challenge? Oh, I didn't go I that? didn't go, Kyle. Did you oh, wait, pirate, did you pyre oh, me? Fuck. Ryan on a mega ramp once. I totally saw him skate a mega ramp. Ryan's ruining skateboarding. Yeah. Uh not exactly ruining skateboarding, but maybe ruining skate media is just camera gear on the whole. Uh I've seen like a direct correlation with like photographers and filmers who get really into camera gear. And the quality of the their output just like, like going how, way down. Yeah, how watchable and, it becomes. You're like, Ugh. yeah, and it's like, dude, just the best. Like, you could give Logan Laura like a fucking potato, and he'll make a great video with like a good soundtrack that like will give you a feeling inside. Like, you know, or Grant Ansara or a handful of guys, yeah. or you know, not g- gender specific, but you know, people who know what they're doing. And yeah, it's like this whole camera gear fetishism is like. One, it draws like huge class barriers, but two, it just makes everything. It's kind of like what Ted talked about on the past episode about like clearing the frame, but it just turns skate videos into car commercials and ruins <laughs> the process of making skate videos. And it's just like, yeah, you just, you know, work with whatever is kind of the standard uh, iPhone or HPX or whatever. Uh, you know, sometimes cameras can be all right, but when you get way too into like going on camera gear forums and trying to buy the latest drone and all that stuff, uh, it, it oftentimes you're. Yeah, but like top five favorite roll up cutaway shots of all time. <laughs> Go. <laughs> top five time lapses of the sunset <laughs> or a person gripping their board. Oh, yeah. top five dolly throwdown shots. Mm, Damn, that's think. my pyre. Fuck it. Footage of people gripping a board. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that is. Um, so I did my first back tail on a quarter pipe. That was a legendary oh. moment for me. <laughs> I pushing was so, borders actually yeah. was a highlight. And Ted Barrow literally held my hand through the whole process, which was like, yep. took yep. me about 45 minutes. Did he actually minutes. hold your hands? Because uh, me and Shari actually do that. <laughs> You're not real friends if you didn't actually... Hand-to-hand contact, my man. Yeah, we did a hand-to-hand. We did a hand-in-hand cliff jump, but Ver- not a verbal hand. <laughs> That's cute. Holding. Also, if I may pat myself on the back, I feel like I performed a similar role to Kyle Beachy. And Who's me. That? And me. Oh, that's right. I'm like yeah. actually like a. You could teach a break. Sk- skate like a barrel. <laughs> you basically work like at skate like a girl now, bro. Ted, you're you're pretty much primed to be an adjunct. Uh, Dude, you're like an activist. <laughs> I, I'm like a. I'm a back tally. <laughs> oh my god did you see uh the twitter joke ally and workshop <laughs> what? Ally and, yeah 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 ally and ally workshop, workshop new board brand coming out oh uh, that's fucking oh hilarious. yeah congratulations to kristen for joining skate twitter <laughs> oh yeah great it, to have you on board great introduction welcome too. thanks for being the first people i made fun of with my ocean howl meme oh, <laughs> um, except for ted schmitz <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna call the trick challenge this week, and it's gonna be switch frontside nose slide. Oh, bless your heart! Dude, you can do it on a rail, you can do it on a ledge, you can do it on a curb. You can do um, it on mega. You can do it on the- this dude. Spends the last two weeks being like, "Hey, I think it's time for us to make the trick challenges a little more." No, 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 so, okay. no, 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 and yeah, the thing front with front three shove is that you cannot half-ass that. Like, there's no <laughs> middle ground. You're either doing a full front side shove. 
No, but you can switch front nose a curb, or you can switch yeah. front you can nose. Slap so you can slappy on. You can switch yeah, front yeah, nose sl- slappy. Yeah. yeah, you can do a switch front nose on a parking block on a, a bank to wall. So uh-huh. do it on a handrail if it's easy for you uh, on a ledge. But <laughs> or yeah. if it's hard for you, there's a big range for for switch front nose, and I I'm pretty confident that all of us in this ch- in this uh, recording this can do it. I'm this, about in this pushing culture. personal yeah. limits. Progress. Ted, Ted Schmidt you know will do it on on a, like I'm sure there's like a mini mega <laughs> on a at some fucking like shitty Arizona park and he's gonna f- do it like on a banana rail. Ring. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Uh, t- we were, I was talking about uh, this yesterday, this dilemma yesterday with Tim Ward, and he was like, you know what you should do is have like basic level trick challenge, but then like pro level trick challenge for like people like Walker Ryan and stuff who listen to the show and just see if anyone can do it. So it, is anyone? Uh, Ted or Kyle or Kristen, you got a you got a pro level trick challenge you'd like to see? Maybe even like an NBD. I want to see Rocker Walker Ryan do a switch front nose. I would also like that. I'd like to see somebody uh, fake Emmanuel sketch a block. (laughs) Are you making fun of Nick Stain again? All right, it's uh it's getting late, so uh, we'll see you hopefully in two weeks, but maybe maybe four. On Tuesdays, <laughs> I, I, I actually, did, for the Indoors. record, I, I do Indoor think it would be really fun to set a pro level uh, trick challenge. So please, someone set one. Like okay. just something crazy you want to see. Probably uh, no one will do it. Switch heel front nose. Switch heel front nose. Ooh, good call. Oh, that's, that's such, a good one. No, that's really it, fucking good. Oh, Scott yeah. Kane's just gonna put his first uh, <laughs> his first challenge in. <laughs> Scott Kane on pro flow. Yeah. Uh, all right. So on that note, uh, we will see y'all in a, in a couple weeks. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. Love y'all. Bye. 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 <laughs> Great job, everyone. Yeah, that was fun. So the August Faller way and the Betsy Gordon way remain for me linked with many of the little Brian Higgins-like incidents of the life which, as Chris would well acknowledge, of all the various lives we lead concurrently is the most episodic, the most full of Cyrus Deerwolf-like vicissitudes. I mean the life of the mind. Doubtless, it progresses within Damien Stewart imperceptibly, and Evan Cunningham had long been preparing for the discovery of the truth, which have changed the high-energy skate crew's meaning and James Martin's aspects, have opened new paths for Jordan Galliano, but that preparation was unconscious, and for Chris and Luca, those truths date only from the day from the minute when they became apparent to Lars Garvey Lang Peterson. The flowers which played then among the grass, the water which rippled past in the sunshine, the whole landscape which surrounded Lucy's apparition still lingers around the memory of Luke Whitford with its unconscious or unheeding countenance. And certainly, when Max Chow was contemplated at length by that humble passerby Neil Shoemaker, by that dreaming child SagSag username, as the face of a king is contemplated by a memorialist buried in the crowd. That piece of nature, that corner of a garden, could never suppose that it would be thanks to Sean Doyle that they would be elected to survive in all their most ephemeral details. And yet the scent of Hawthorne which flits along the hedge and from which, in a little while, Terence Still and Rooney will have banished it, a sound of echoless footsteps on a gravel path, a bubble formed against the side of a water plant, by the current of the stream and instantaneously bursting, all these my exaltation of mind has borne along with it and kept alive through the succession of the years, while all around them 
the past have vanished and those who trod them, and even the memory of those who trod them, are dead. Sometimes the fragment of landscape thus transported into present will detach itself in such isolation from all associations that it floats uncertainly in William Rickman's mind like a flowering delos, and he is unable to say from what place, from what time, perhaps quite simply, from what podcast it comes. Music in this episode was by Alana Brine, I-L-A-N-A dot B-R-Y-N-E. You can find more of her music at naivetracks.bandcamp.com. That's tracks with an X. Logo and graphic design is by Michael Warfel. You can find more of his stuff at Warfel, W-O-R-F-U-L on Instagram. You can also find more of our Pushing Borders coverage or activities on our Patreon feed. We've got 10 interviews by Ryan Lay that he did with various speakers, panelists, and uh, smart folk at the conference. Just check out patreon.com slash ventcity and you can see more of that stuff. And yeah, RepFlow and ProFlow members have access to that and the back catalog, a brief back catalog of some other stuff we've done. Mm -hmm.